Hi, I'm Sarah Lee, co-founder and co-CEO of Glow Recipe. Hi, I'm Christine Chang, co-CEO and co-founder of Glow Recipe. What I love about beauty is that it's empowering and it boosts confidence. From New York City, you're listening to Beauty Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the beauty industry. Welcome to Beauty Is Your Business. I'm your host, Mimi Banks, and today we have Sarah Lee and Christine Chang, the co-founders and CEO of Glow Recipe. Hi, guys. Hi, Mimi. Hi. So excited to chat with you today. We have a long history and it's so exciting to see how amazing your business is and how far we've come since our days actually at L'Oreal. So for the listeners that, maybe it's even the one listener that hasn't heard of Glow Recipe, I would love for you to share more about your background and just tell us about Glow Recipe. Yeah, so Glow Recipe is a skincare line that focuses on clinically effective fruit-forward ingredients and formulas for glowing skin. So Christina and I have been co-founders now for about eight plus years, but beyond that, we were friends for 15 or even longer (laughs) period of time. We actually met at L'Oreal, just like I met you at L'Oreal too, Mimi. We shared a mutual passion for beauty and especially clean beauty for many years. And so we co-founded GlowRecipe.com in 2014, initially to curate the best of K-beauty products again, focused on clean skincare. And then in 2017, we actually pivoted and launched our own namesake brand, Glow Recipe Skincare, at the time in partnership with Sephora. That is the positioning that I just mentioned, all about being fruit forward, clinically effective formulas. And since then, we've never looked back. Wow. I mean, there's so much to unpack there. So let's start with L'Oreal. So Sarah and I worked together at Lancome. 10 years ago. And one of my favorite stories is that people used to always say, you learn so much at L'Oreal and it's a good training ground. And I'm so curious to you, like I know for me now having my own business that I basically model a lot of what I learned at L'Oreal, at least how to run a business. I'm curious to know what what is your biggest takeaway from all the time? Because you did spend quite a few years, both of you, and now you run a business. Is there things that you do or that you learned as part of that training to be an entrepreneur? Yeah, so we can both speak to this because we both have been trained at L'Oreal for 10 plus years each. And I love that we met at Lancome, Mimi, and now it's like full circle moment today. But yeah, I mean, I feel like there's so much that we've learned. Personally, I think the most important thing that I've learned is the entrepreneurial spirit, actually, that directly contributes to what I do today. Because at L'Oreal, even though it's a large corporate and there are a lot of people that you work with, you still have to be entrepreneurial and you still have to be independent and you have to have ownership over your projects, no matter what level you're in. That was a very specific culture to L'Oreal. And I think that was a huge learning that I am very grateful for even today. And then, of course, you know, all the marketing fundamentals the basics of forecasting, <laughs> the concept writing to, you know, directly working with cross functions and how to even draft professional emails. All of those basics I've learned at my L'Oreal days and I still apply all of them today. Yeah, I have to agree. It's been the best possible boot camp experience <laughs> that we collectively, I know, also experience. 
And once you're a L'Oreal alumni, you kind of carry that spirit with you forever and those experiences. And so much of it has been foundational to building our business because we not only learn so much about how to take ownership of a certain P&L or a certain account or a certain brand category and really run with that and be excited about the growth and the planning process and the collaboration process, but also just being able to get the amount of training that we did when it came to beauty, I think was immeasurably valuable. And then the last piece I would say to add to Sarah's point is that spirit of collaboration and discussion. Remember how at L'Oreal, there's this room, I believe it's called like the conflict room. <laughs> yes, totally. The salle de confrontation. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like you're supposed to have those ardent discussions up front so that the sword can really be forged in the fire and you're coming out with the best possible product and experience for the customer. And I think that spirit of discussion and collaboration is still very much carried with the brand today. Which is incredible. Even the same thing as I'm building my business, there are some fundamentals of that discussion, true, to get all the different points of view so you come out with the best possible solution. I mean, for me, you get to work with some of the brightest people I've ever met in my entire life. And that in and of itself, I think, is incredible. So speaking of career paths, you know, I find it so inspiring meeting other entrepreneurs and just shedding light on how you got to where you are. If you could just share a little bit about, because Sarah, you also worked in different countries and different experiences, and just to give a quick overview of your career path that led you essentially to go a recipe. So I actually started my job, my first job at L'Oreal in Korea in the Seoul office, and Christine actually did as well. I started as an intern, and then I got the full-time job offer at L'Oreal. I remember those days. It was just so exciting. I was always so interested to work in beauty, but specifically in marketing to begin my career. I just thought it was just a fascinating category. And when I did start my job, I think I've learned a lot, obviously, is what we talked about. And I think that over the years in Korea, I learned that Korea was and still is sort of at the epicenter of anything that's innovation, right? And I rotated in different brands. I mean, it's so great that L'Oreal has so many brands. So even within one company, you're actually rotating from one company to another. It kind of feels like you're moving to a different company, completely different. And you learn so much from those transitions, too. But I started as a marketer at L'Oreal Professional Paris, and I learned that perm was such a hot trend (laughs) that all Koreans were getting, actually, and it was such a trend, but it actually was the most consumed product. I think the stat was about 90 plus percent of perm products were consumed by the Korean market. Wow. You know, all around the world. It was just an insane number. So Anything that we created was at the center of attention, including the Paris office. And I remember also us creating, you know, hair manicure service, which I think became a global service, but it actually started from our Korean office. So again, having been able to sort of lead trends, initiate conversations, be at the center of, again, the trends forming market was such an exciting opportunity for me personally. 
And because of that, I had a great opportunity to work directly with the HQ, the Paris office, the DMI is what we call it, where, you know, the team and the Paris office were developing products and coming up with global marketing strategies. But I had the opportunity to work with them directly for years, actually. And because of that, and because of my desire to want to work in different markets, including Paris or New York, I was actually very open to whichever market offered me the opportunity for product development, because I was just really, really passionate about that. And I was already sort of involved from a Korean perspective with Paris. And so they decided to send me initially to Paris. And then I ended up in New York. Interestingly, everything just happens for a reason. I really believe that. And in New York, my first brand was Matrix Global Marketing. It was a dream come true. I was doing product development for 50 plus countries around the world. And it was just a whole new learning experience, but also something that I really, truly loved and was passionate about. And then I wanted to learn more about marketing for the U.S. market since I was living in New York. So was that your first time living in New York? It was my first time living in New York. Really? Yeah. Wow. It was 2008 is when I moved during the recession, actually. <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of movements in the company, too. But yeah, I was just like enjoying my new turning point and my new challenges in life and making new friends and new colleagues but learning so much at work. And then I volunteered to move to a different department because I wanted to learn more about local marketing in the U.S. because U.S. is the biggest market in the world when it comes to beauty. So then I was transitioned to Lanco, which is where I met you, Mimi. I was in charge of face makeup, <laughs> the makeup team. And that's when I also learned the beauty of working with different retailers, such as Sephora or Ulta or Macy's. Back in the day, Macy's was a huge, huge part of our business. So just being able to work with the buyers directly, working on merchandising for makeup products and developing products because we didn't have a specific U.S. hub team. It was just such an amazing experience. And again, I just setting you up for later, not even realizing it. that's incredible, right? Everything sort of leads to what we're doing today. And honestly, even till this day, I remember all the learnings that I've had about the Sephora customization and the trade marketing tactics from my Lancome days, and I apply them today. So just very, very valuable. And then from there, I was a very curious person. Then next, I wanted to learn more about the mass market because I realized that the mass market in the U.S. was ginormous. <laughs> and I also have heard from my other colleagues that the way of working in the consumer products division was completely different from the luxury division. So it just really was intriguing to me. And so I volunteered again to move to a consumer product brand. And then I was transferred to L'Oreal Paris, which was my last brand. I remember the last, you know, I think it was about 11 years is how long I worked for L'Oreal in total from Korea to the U.S., but my last role was actually such a just eye-opening experience overall because I was in charge of the entire hair care and styling department for the U.S. Hub team. And I learned to research differently. I learned to think about productivity in a very, very structured way. I learned to work directly with Walmart and Targets of the world, which was a, just a new world. And I learned to develop products initiate product development in the U.S., but working very collaboratively with the Paris office. 
So that was just, again, a new approach to my way of working. And I managed a team of 12 at that time. Which is not insignificant. Yeah, in L'Oreal, especially. And I think being that manager of many different people and levels also really was a learning experience for me to become a better manager today because I've learned a lot of managerial skills during that time. Not just managing a team, but also managing up as well about my team. So, you know, when I think about how I manage the team today, I try and kind of go back to where I was at my L'Oreal Paris days and apply those sort of feelings and what motivated me, what demotivated me, and try and apply those sort of learnings to my team members. And it's honestly, again, like super valuable. I took out a book from L'Oreal the other day, a coaching book from like when I was in training. I had one, it's still there, just to look at some coaching principles and just some things that I learned. And it's so funny, again, it comes full circle, but I, you know, you keep some things from as you move from job to job. And I literally took it out and I was reading through some of these principles, which at the time I didn't have the same amount of experience that I do now. I was mind blown about how much it resonates. What about you, Christine? I'm so excited to talk to you. Like, I don't think we've actually really met. No, I don't think we ever crossed paths at L'Oreal. I did hear you speak once at one of those town halls, I believe. I love the full circle moment. Through Sarah, I'm a big fan. I'm excited to talk to you, but learn about, because you had a little bit of a different path than Sarah did. I did. So I also started my career in Korea and met Sarah on my first day as an intern. She had been there for a few months at that point and became fast friends. The the Korean internship program at L'Oreal is very specific. Interview process is very specific. And so after going through that, the interns bond quite quickly, anyone who's gone through that trajectory. And so we became fast friends at that point. I've had a rather unique career trajectory when it comes to L'Oreal, because throughout my tenure there, I was at one brand for most of my time versus changing brands, which is much more typical. But I did change functions every few years. So that felt kind of like a new brand each time. And being at Heels, which is my second brand after initially starting at Lancome, was an amazing opportunity because when I first joined Heels, it was a brand that was actually being discussed. It was actually being discussed to be pulled out of Korea because of performance. Like, can the brand resonate internationally was really the question at the time. And I was part of a team that helped turn around the brand from 26th rank in the market to a top five brand in the matter of a few years. And that growth trajectory, while managing cross-category from being PR, marketing, CRM, going to stores to train, and spearheading everything because the team was three people initially, was such a great learning experience. And I still carry a lot of those lessons with me today. And it was also so gratifying to be able to tweak the strategy and positioning to make sure that this brand core values were really resonating in another market. Korea being an especially competitive market, it had the attention of the global team. And then eventually that set the foundation for me to join the international business development team in the New York headquarters for Kiehl's to help craft a global strategy based on those learnings and disseminate across 40 global markets. Wow. Yes. But unlike Sarah, I actually didn't transfer through the company. I had a quick detour in the middle where I got married. So I moved to New York with my husband and I started a master's program at Columbia because I wanted to translate Korean novels to English. No way. 
I felt like there were some opportunities when it came to having more broad varieties of Korean literature available here, just like Japanese literature. And I do see some parallels with what I do now around translating between cultures. Same idea, right? Fascinating. Exactly. And then after the master's program, quickly realized that I was not cut out for academia, gratefully returned to L'Oreal, back to the international business development team at HQ. And from there, I was also had the opportunity to take on digital strategy for global markets, and then eventually pivoted to a role where I was heading up the global skincare business. And I'm really grateful again for my time at Kiehl's because it was a brand among L'Oreal's portfolio that really had a modern approach when it came to not depending on things like traditional advertising, a focus on community, and there was so much transparency around ingredients and formulation processes very early on. They also had amazing experiential freestanding store experiences, and putting the customer at the center of a lot of decision-making processes is something I very much learned at Kiel. So both of you had these like parallel fascinating experiences that are rounding out all of your job skills to be able to put you like the perfect match. And how did you get to from where you were to say, you know what, we have this idea. And then, you know, I was just thinking about this now is that I think that your first, you know, when we saw you on television, I think that that's actually a great story, too, that we have to talk about, because I remember texting with Sarah and her saying to me specifically, TV works. And I was like, uh, yeah. So <laughs> right afterwards. So I love this story because it's like, I think without even realizing it, you're really setting yourself up. You have these fundamental skills, complementary skills from the sales side, from the operational side, from the product development side to create something really compelling. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think we were kind of reaching a point where we both realized that as product developers and global marketers, we were working with Korean manufacturers for so many innovations without even realizing that they were Korean. You know, so that's why we had an aha moment because L'Oreal used to have these R&D days where all of the labs from around the world would come in and pitch formulas and technologies. And again, without knowing where they were from or originated, we always just ended up piling a few of our favorite formulas, all of the team members consolidated. They happened to all be from Korea. So funny. And so I remember sharing that interesting, you know, finding with Christine and she had the same exact experience. And so we were just thinking, oh my God, this is so interesting because both of us are Koreans living in the U.S., bilingual and bicultural with beauty experience in both markets. And we're just seeing, is this a sign? We're seeing Korean technologies coming over and taking over the world. And no one really acknowledges that they were actually Korean. So we just felt that with a network that we had and all of the experience and expertise that we had and the unique positioning that we had as two you know, female employees of L'Oreal at the time, that it just made sense for us to join forces and create our own company to help bridge the gap between the Korean manufacturers and the U.S. market. So that's how it just happened naturally and organically through our conversations. And the decision took place at my apartment in New York City when we were just grabbing the glass of wine as we usually did and sheet masking together. <laughs> that's what we normally did when we were catching up. And we were just like, wait, we have to do this. We have to do this. It just only makes sense. Even thinking about it today, it just gives me chills because 
it really was the right decision. And we felt so strongly about it the more we talked about it because the opportunity was so crystal clear. And we started looking around and we saw that so many Korean products were being sold on eBay or Amazon without much storytelling or any context, but with cheaper pricing and kitschy packaging. We were not happy to see that because we were brand builders at that point, right? We were so well-trained from L'Oreal to be brand builders that were passionate about the longevity of brands with the power of storytelling. And the fact that that didn't really exist in the Korean beauty space was just not great to see. So we just kind of felt this urge and the mission to change the narrative and bring over the best of Korean beauty products that we would personally test and validate ourselves because we knew what would potentially resonate with the U.S. consumer based on our experience. And then make sure that each and every product has a story and a reason behind the launch. So hence the foundation of GlowRecipe.com at the end of 2014. Amazing. So I think that the next story that I would love you to share is Shark Tank. Oh my God. Talk to us about Shark Tank. Like this is so cool. And again, looking at community, looking at exposure, looking at, I just remember the text with Sarah and she was like, but TV actually really does still work. So <laughs> what was that experience like? Was that like MRMs, like IMMs, like any other L'Oreal, like questioning, Sao de Confrontation, like prepared you for really to be grilled about your concepts? How did this all come to life? have to say those meeting preparations didn't hurt, definitely. <laughs> right? All the decks. Absolutely. All the decks, the numbers, the presentation skills, all of that. The backup of the backup. Yes. Multi-multi-slide. <laughs> 500 pages. This was a little different in the sense that you had to do such a consolidated elevator pitch that it really forced us to think about the most important things to the business and to us as founders in a very 16 streamlined way. But backing up, we initially applied for Shark Tank on a whim. We saw an open casting call in New York. So we lined up outside of ABC Studios on the Upper West Side on a very cold April day. There were so many people there that day that we didn't think we were gonna get in. The line wrapped around the block all the way to Central Park and then back down to Broadway. And so- How many people was it? It was hundreds of people, Mimi. We seriously did not think we were gonna get in. And people were bringing their wares. Like there was a cart of sauces next to us. And there was another lady with a coat rack with all of these clothes. <laughs> Everyone has just brought out their A game. And we had practiced this speech at length about our passion for bringing over this, these skincare technologies and brands and giving them a voice here, but also just a new philosophy around skincare. And so to imbue that philosophy, we actually wore sheet masks during our presentation on our faces while we were talking. And the sheet masks were flapping, one fell off, like it didn't go as smoothly as we thought it would in our heads. And we were like, it didn't work. We're not going to get a call back. But how long did you wait in line? Hours. It was hours. All day. And it was freezing. It was freezing in April. Yeah, I still have like vivid <laughs> memories of us just like trembling in like cold weather, <laughs> wearing coats. Exactly. Bundled up in our coats. We were just so certain we weren't going to get a call back. But a couple months later, out of the blue, they were like, submit an audition video. And so we went to a friend's office space to like figure out how to film, how to show like our day to day. And 
it was once again a good opportunity for us to think about like what are the select things about our business that are really differentiating and refine our story. So this whole process was incredibly actually helpful, though it was also stressful. We submitted this audition video. I wish we had this file today. I would give anything for it. We can't find it. But it was really funny. It was like us picking up the phone at midnight to talk to Korea because of the time difference or <laughs> us packing millions of boxes in our office and being buried and packing materials, which was actually the truth of what was happening at the time. And then once again, silence, and then got a call back out of the blue, fly out to Culver City in a few weeks. So we cleared all our meetings, flew out to Culver City where the studio is, and we're told time and time again, you might not even record today. You might record today, but it might not air. You might be up for air, but then if something happens, emergency, like you might get bumped. So we were just once again <laughs> certain that it wasn't going to happen. But regardless, we did our best to prepare and really talk about what we knew best. And walking down that very long hallway to see the sharks for the first time, it's not scripted. You really do not meet them ahead of time. They don't know who you are. So you're walking down the Shark Tank hallway. I think we were humming the song too, like Sansa, Sansa, as we were walking down. It was a long hallway. I'm sure it felt like forever, forever. Felt longer. Felt like eternity. And you have to also stand there for a full 90 seconds while they adjust the camera. And they're just looking at you. They're just staring at you. Yeah, you're making eye contact, like awkwardly. Talk about this, like... <laughs> So many times after, but we were both drenched in sweat under our dresses. I'm sure. And we just went all in and did our pitch. And the questions that they asked were incredibly actually insightful. To have like five accomplished business people to just dissect your business to that degree is an honor. And even though the conversation was at times tough, it was conversations that we thought needed to be had. And they actually filmed a full hour. Wow. Exactly. So you only air 10 minutes. So how they edit this down really determines how the segment plays out. So there's so many things out of your control. We just had to focus on the things that we could control, which were our pitch, the testing demo process, and talking about why this meant so much to us. And ultimately, we did get three bids. We shook hands on the show with Robert, but ultimately, we amicably parted ways. We decided long term, you know, it really wasn't about us needing fun, this experience of Shark Tank. It was more to find like a long term strategic partner and it just wasn't the time for us at that time. Well, what incredible. And you made it on the air. So after all those permutations, you made it on the air. You got incredible visibility. And there's no turning back at that point. Not that you would turn back, but that's really, I think, the visibility was incredible. Like I said, TV worked <laughs> for us. I remember that text message, TV worked. And so now here you are, fast forward, eight years later, you have a very successful business. You're in with Sephora. What is next on the horizon for you? Because you refine the business from being the curated launching brands in the U.S. to having your own brand, Fruit Forward, which is also innovative. And many people trying to have the success that you are having. I think you are the epitome of success and inspiration for female leaders, for founders, for entrepreneurs, for seeing the white space and working on something that's a passion project really to start and growing a global business with a team, with support, with tremendous recognition. Wow. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm here to be your hype girl, your fan girl, you know, <laughs> always, you know that, you know, what is advice to other people that want to do the same thing? They look at you and they just say, wow, I wish I could do that. What would you say back to them? 
Well, that's a very big question because we would share so much. Looking back, I wish we had more mentors. I think having mentors is really important because you can essentially shortcut and actually absorb the learnings from somebody who had the similar experience and get to the next level faster. But looking back, I don't have any regrets because I think every little thing, even if it was a failure, was such a huge learning for us. And so what I would say is you will go through a roller coaster. It will be a very wild ride, to say the least. And even if there are moments where you feel like you're not really moving forward or you feel like there are failures happening to you right now and it could be very depressing, it's actually part of the process. And that looking back, you will smile at it for the learnings and the lessons that you got out of that experience. And I think that's really the most valuable thing that we can say because like, it's an emotional roller coaster as well, not just in terms of the business. <laughs> Mentally, you have to prepare yourself to really be okay, even with tough situations, because again, it's just part of the journey and it's okay. Everyone else goes through it. They just don't maybe talk about it as much. Agree. That's part of the process. You know this, Mimi. You have your own business. Every day, something new. Every day, there's some problem that occurs. Yeah. And then the other thing is like, when you go through these tough moments, what helps is to stay focused in terms of your vision. If you know what the big goal is, what you want to achieve out of your business, and you know that you've tried your best to get one step closer to that then you're doing a great job, even if it doesn't look like it. And so just stay focused with that vision and don't get shaken up by it and lose momentum. Stay resilient. Uh, resilience is a great word. I for sure learned that at L'Oreal in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> but resilience as an entrepreneur is huge. And like a belief Absolutely. is huge. And what do you say, Christine? What would your advice be? Very similar to what Sarah is saying in that you realize over time you can't do things alone. And so whether that's this co-founder dynamic that we have where we lean on each other and are able to have these open discussions about the business and have someone you can really talk to, or whether it's your network of founder friends or people in the industry that you can really rely on, I think it's really important to acknowledge early on that it's not going to be done alone. It takes a tribe just as anything worth building and to just not be shy about reaching out for help, for advice, tap your network and build your network too. And over the years, the founder friends that we've met, especially the female founder friends, have been some of the most inspirational people that we've had the honor of meeting and some really amazing relationships and friendships have blossomed out of that. I would agree. I think that you go through it together or have had similar challenges or just even people to lean on to say you're doing a great job or, you know, we're always our own toughest critics. But one thing I also wanted to mention is that what's really cool, you mentioned tribe and I heard community is you have a whole glow gang. So it's not only like your friends of the fangirls, but there's a huge community of people that are obsessed with your products, that you've created that. Can you just tell us about your community quickly? I think it's super inspirational. Yeah, we're just really grateful that we have a community that is so engaged to your point, Mimi. And they actually, even to this day, help us make business decisions. They've just, a lot of them actually have been through the journey with us from the very beginning of our startup experience. Even when we had, you know, like 20 or less followers, I remember us engaging with each and every individual. <laughs> I remember this. Yeah, right. It was a very small tribe that became a big one today, but 
because we were so grateful that they even discovered us and were willing to comment or like our posts and engage, it just meant the world to us. So, you know, for the customers that purchase our products, we hand wrote every single letter to them for like years, actually, even to the point when we felt like it was just not scalable. We had to put a hard stop, but we were just so passionate. Again, like I think that came through to our customers. And then on social media, we would engage with them directly, DM with them constantly. And that actually was a great use of time because not only did we nurture and foster amazing relationships, but they gave us so much inspiration and feedback and ideas and constructive feedback included. And that made us help, again, like shape our business in the right way that truly aligns with what they care about, what they're passionate about. So today... You know, we have over a million followers on our Instagram. That's amazing. Congratulations. It's not <laughs> an easy you. feat. Not easy. Yeah, you know this more than anybody <laughs> else, maybe. Everybody's dream. Yeah, and we have a very rapidly growing community on TikTok as well. And what we really want to make sure that we do as a brand is not only to engage with them more, but also to leverage our platform almost as like a media platform, if you know what I mean, because mm -hmm. I don't know if it makes sense at this point and this level of growth that we've had to only talk about products or launches or formulas, right? I think we really want to talk to them about meaningful initiatives or topics that matter and that are actually like what we're thinking today, whether it's something to do with the socioeconomics or diversity or sustainability, all these things that are just so important and our core values of Glow Recipe, which happen to be core values of our community. So I think that's also why we're able to become even closer and closer every day. That's amazing. I can't believe how fast this time has gone. <laughs> I am so happy and grateful that we got a chance to speak today and celebrate the success of both of you of creating this incredible brand, Glow Recipe, a fan favorite by many, loved by many millions at this point. And just to really <laughs> take a chance to celebrate both of you. I think it's really incredible. It's incredibly inspiring and it should just be celebrated. So... Congratulations to both of you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. We appreciate it. Thank you for having us, Mimi. This has been Beauty Is Your Business. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2021. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network. And find prior episodes at beautyisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>